when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part, you can't even passively take part, and you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. All right, we are back and better than ever. As always, I am locked by my side, my partner in crime, Steven. <laughs> I like that one a lot better. <laughs> Rather than being my film to my Louise. No, I, I was thinking more of the, the Farrah Fawcett one because you <laughs> oh, didn't... That uh, was- Great. Because you didn't say I was Farrah Fawcett, so yeah, I, I was got a little Jack- offended. I got to be Jacqueline Smith. You yeah. know, so I got the brains and the looks. You were just the blonde, the hot blonde. Sorry, Stephen. Nah, that's okay. <laughs> uh, Stephen, as always, people can check us out for all the news and reviews and whatnot at comicbookrevolution.com. You can also check us out on Twitter at CBR Evolution. That's CB Revolution. Mm-hmm. And you can check me out on Twitter at Rock2K's Revolution and Stephen Yu. And you can find me on Twitter at President Glover. Uh, one word. <laughs> there you go. And what you can check out, uh, Kevin has been furiously posting reviews over at comicbookrevolution.com. And just in the past few days, he has posted a great review for Return of Wolverine number one, which we will be talking about in this podcast. Mm-hmm. He also published a wonderful review for Avengers number eight that we'll also be talking about in this podcast. And he also posted a review that I completely loved and endorsed fully (laughs) the life of Captain Marvel number three review. Check it out. Why did rock approve of Kevin's review? Maybe because he gave it a three night girls out of 10 (laughs) for the story. (laughs) I endorse this review. Good job, Kevin. And he's also posted a review for Batman 55. So Kevin is always furiously putting reviews up. They're always really well done. So I always suggest people check out the website for his reviews. They're good stuff. Yeah, he's a hardworking, he's a hard-working dude. He is. He is outproducing me as of late. I'm doing the podcast with you, Stephen, so I am not doing as many written reviews as I used to do. But mm-hmm. that is okay. We all contribute the way we can. Yeah, that's right. Indeed, my friend. This podcast, I had a few news articles I wanted to just go through with you. Get your impression, get your take on them. Nothing really that major this week, but just some interesting little tidbits here and there. And then I figured we would review three excellent titles. Oh, no, I tipped my hand. Three <gasps> titles from DC. I, You know, people are just, are, you know, I, I look, I don't always praise DC Comics, and this podcast is going to be proof of it. We are going <laughs> to check out Damage, number nine. Mm-hmm. We're going to check out Teen Titans, number 22, mm-hmm. and we're going to check out Justice League, number 8. Which of these three is Rock going to not like? You can oh, probably guess. I think I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Spoiler, it won't be Justice League. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Steven, uh, a few things came out. Let's start with uh, the world of Disney and the world of movies, because some movie news came out, and they're all kind of related. We've got... News coming out, Bob Iger gives an interview, and in the interview, Bob Iger owns the mistake of Solo, the failing, it's a bomb. Mm -hmm. He admits it, and he owns it. He says, it's all my fault, not the director, (laughs) not the producer, not the head of Lucasfilm, Yeah, whatever her name is. Uh, yeah, we don't we don't talk about it right here. Yeah. <laughs> Kathleen. Uh, I said the name. I invoked Voldemort's name. None of them. It's Bob Iger's fault. And the reason why it bombed is simply the schedule 
they put out too many movies of one in, in too close to each other, and that they're mm-hmm. not they're going to slow down. They're going to ease off the gas pedal and not release so many Star Wars movies mm-hmm. uh, so close to each other. Space them out more. I agree. Yes, no doubt. Less is more when it comes to the Star Wars franchise. Yes. It, it does not need to be like the Marvel franchise where you're cranking out three movies. It's not the same kind of franchise. It just isn't. I, I don't even think it's possible to, to do that with no. everything they put out. No. So I don't think you can treat it like you do uh, Disney animation movies or Pixar movies or Marvel Studios. It's just not. It's not that kind of property. Mm-hmm. I think spacing out is much smarter. And I do agree. I don't. I don't. I don't think spacing the movie so close to the last Star Wars movie was a great idea, especially when that last Star Wars movie had a lot of negative publicity, and you've got a lot yeah. of. You got a lot of negativity out there from that movie, and usually when there's ill will brewing among the fandom, the next movie that comes out suffers, especially when it comes out close, close yeah. in time to the movie that caused a lot of ill will. Mm-hmm. So that was probably not a great idea. So I like <laughs> what I, I agree with what Iger's saying, and Iger's being the good, like like the head coach of a football team, he's got to. He's covering for his players, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's going to take the blame. That's what good football coaches do. They don't throw their players under the bus. They don't talk about what's said in the locker room. That's what they're supposed to do. I respect that. Uh, I humbly submit that that is not the only reason that Solo bombed. But still, yeah. you know, you can't have it all. You can't change everything at one time. Disney's going to have to figure out what the problem is. Maybe when they change the, sh- the, the release tables for the movies, if they still don't perform well, then they'll investigate a little further. Yeah. So first steps first. Mm-hmm. Right. True. Um, and yeah, I read that that ar- that interview, and he um, he had some interesting uh, CEO speak moments. Yes. Which, um, like when they discussed Roseanne and Tim, uh, not Tim Gunn, James Gunn. <laughs> Don't fire <Wow>. Tim Gunn. <laughs> oh, do not fire Tim Gunn. I love that guy. He's got quite the panache. <laughs> um, the James Gunn firing his response. His he said that um, the Roseanne firing was unanimous. <laughs> as in that they all agreed to it. But the James Gunn firing was something that was unanimously decided that was brought to him, and he approved of the decision that was made. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> right, right. So uh, I, I will say, uh, since, since you invoked uh, the name of Tim Gunn, that maybe Bob Iger needs to take a critical eye to Kathleen mm, and her work. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Love me some Tim Gunn. That Tim Gunn needs to, to run the Star Wars universe. He, oh, yeah. <laughs> he, that guy. I just, I love his style. Uh, so, Stephen, the other bit of news from Bob Iger is that he also said, he confirmed that, yes, indeed, Kevin Feige will oversee Disney's X-Men films, surprising literally no one that has two brain cells in their head. Yeah. I mean, do we, w- there was no other option. No. There was no other option, Stephen. No. Of course not. We knew this was going to happen. Yeah, the the only question is how they're gonna do it because some people right. still think they're gonna they're gonna merge the two that exist now, which I humbly submit is not a good idea. Right. I mean, first of all, the talent is probably more expensive than Disney's wanting to pay out money for. Right. And second, it's just it's just too convoluted. I let agree. let Logan be the end of that universe. Correct. Yeah, it's depressing, sure, it but is, whatever. But it's a good ending. It's a good it's ending. It's a good ending. I like yes. very satisfying that ending. Mm-hmm. And then start from new. Start fresh. Yeah. Just start, start start from new. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. That's a smart way to go. And I think that's how Feige's probably going to go. I think so, too. Yeah, it's going to be a little awkward. Oh, yeah, these things, these people all existed. And you didn't know. Right. But whatever. But, it's Right. No big deal. So what? <laughs> also news out of Disney is that they are reportedly lining up some more TV shows. Marvel 
TV shows for their new streaming service, which is not a surprise to even you. You're, Disney's unleashing this streaming service because this is the future. Cable TV is clearly dying that we all know this. Mm-hmm. The future is going to be in streaming technology. Everybody, I think everyone now fully understands this. Even Big Cable fully understands this. Yeah. And you got to have a service that can compete with Amazon Prime, Netflix being the two biggest ones, and Hulu being, those would be your three large ones. Mm-hmm. And HBO goes streaming. That's, that's a little, and, and Showtimes, that's a little, that's a smaller service. They, they tend to go for the more uh, uh, finely crafted, uh, smaller number of shows. Sure. And still profitable for the Very range, profitable. But, absolutely. Yeah. But not the big mass no. streaming service like Hulu and, and Netflix and mm-hmm. Amazon Prime. And now you've got Apple about to hop into the mix as well. And you mm-hmm. can't discount them because they're the 800-pound gorilla in the mm-hmm. tech industry. Yeah. So not that any of the shows that they've announced so far really interested me any. But then again, <laughs> I... I I, I am not, uh, you know, I, I'm not the embodiment of pop cultural likes either. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, that's the David Lynch okay. fan is not. <laughs> right, right. The guy who likes Grant Morrison's Final Crisis and all of the David Lynch movies, probably not the guy you want to target with, yeah. your, with your streaming service <laughs> looking to hit, hit as many people as possible, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I realize that. So Disney, though, to beef up this streaming service, it's obviously looking to release a bunch of Star Wars TV shows mm-hmm. and Marvel TV shows. I get it. It makes perfect sense. I understand. You've already got all the TV shows on Netflix. I would imagine those will all be gone and on uh, Disney streaming service. That would make the most sense. Mm-hmm. And um, Well, they want a family-friendly streaming service. Yeah, which is interesting because it's hard to do that with some of these oh, you know, yeah, Daredevils. With The Punisher. <laughs> right. Daredevil and The Punisher, not yeah. so family-friendly. I'd be curious to see how that... Well, we'll see how that works out. Yeah. They still have a deal with Netflix for a little while. Correct. So they're going to probably That's let right. those shows stay over there. Right. But, and then, I mean, they're, they're, they have some other shows scattered to the winds somewhere. So, I don't know. They could probably bring those back in. Well, the Runaways and uh, the Cloak and Dagger. But Kevin Feige is evidently going to be uh, having a hand in all this. Again, sure. zero surprise. Of course. And evidently, these new shows they're going to be releasing on the streaming service will be under Marvel Studios banner as opposed to the Marvel TV Studios banner, which oversees Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Jessica Jones, one on ABC and one on Netflix, Mm -hmm. right? That's an interesting little twist. It would not surprise me if Marvel TV Studios ends up being what runs something off the streaming service, like maybe on ABC. Yeah. And Marvel... (laughs) Marvel Studios runs whatever on the streaming service because the streaming service again it's 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 it blurs the line between what is TV and what is a movie. Yeah. So I could see Marvel Studios being what handles the streaming service. At any rate, Stephen, they're saying the rumor is one starring Loki, one starring Scarlet Witch, and then some others. And and evidently they're going to get Tom Hiddleston and Elizabeth Olsen. Well, Elizabeth Olsen that's not so much of a surprise, but Tom Hiddleston no. well, that's a little bit of a surprise. Yeah. That they got him to do the show. If this is true. If it's true, yeah. That, that's that's. A bit of a surprise, no doubt. <laughs> uh, I, I, but, you know, okay, I. this is the smart, obviously this is a smart move for Disney to make for their streaming service. they got to do stuff like this to make their streaming service a success. They have to. Yeah. Because there are going to be a huge amount of people who like Marvel Studios movies that are going to get it because they like these characters, they like Marvel Studios movies. Mm. Uh, me personally, mm. I do love Tom Hiddleston's Loki. Yeah. 
I would watch that. Uh, Scarlet Witch seems like a really weird character. It seems like they were just like, well, we got to have a female character, so A, B, C, D, E, F, G, bang, let's go Scarlet Witch. Yeah. they which is not really a character based on what I've seen in the movies. Really No worth. offense to Elizabeth Olsen. It's just yeah. not a character I really think is that particularly compelling but no maybe and they can make her compelling i don't know you never know maybe they should get like actual writers to write things for her to mm-hmm. do <laughs> exactly so i mean we'll see we'll see maybe it'll turn out to be a great show i don't know i, th- I understand why they're doing it 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 makes sense from a financial standpoint mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see the quality i suppose so i mean i the thing i've always said about this is that they need to give people a reason to to either to add another subscription to their growing list of streaming subscriptions or a reason to drop one, which nobody's going to drop Netflix or Amazon no. Prime. No. Which I'm, I'm surprised they didn't just buy out the rest of Hulu and use that. I mean, that's. That I'm surprised mm, as well, Stephen. That's yeah, a good that's, point. That's, that, mu- that's, that's already money. That's people yes. who are subscribed already. But, yes. You know, yeah. And I think it's going to come down to the. I think the price point is going to count. Yep. And I think. Of course, what they have on there. Now, this news is not going to get me to buy it because I'm I'm stubbornly, you know, they're not going to get more of my money. <laughs> but um, I think the Star Wars stuff is probably going to be a bigger sell than yep. than oh Loki show. They right. <laughs> I, I would not. Agree. Yeah, it's like this is what we think of these characters. <laughs> We're right. gonna and I think I know where the Black Widow movie is going to end up. It could end up on the streaming service. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. I agree. I agree. I mean, normally I would say, well, they just shelled out $71 billion for Fox. Of course, they're not just going to toss a money-making chance on on a streaming service. But I think they might toss that on there. You never know. Nah. You never know. Uh, other news out of <laughs> Disney and their movie is uh, their movie division mm-hmm. is that they have just had their second biggest box office in studio history. Yes, 2018 is now officially the second biggest in their history. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> this was released. It uh, They have earned so far this year, in 2018, $6.46 billion. That's surpassing mm-hmm. last year's total of 6.45. And the year is not over, Stephen. Yeah, that's right. What's also interesting is that they are, a, a huge percentage of their world, of, of their box office, is coming from the global overseas mm-hmm. market, not just domestic. They're really growing overseas as China continues to be an ever-growing force in the yeah. global box office. Mm-hmm. Very, very important where it wasn't as much in the past. It's uh, it's interesting. The current record holder for the top spot for uh, any studio within a single year is back in 2016 when Disney earned $7.6 billion. They're probably not going to beat that with the remainder of 2018. But let's just think about it for a second. They have had three movies go over $1 billion this year. Mm -hmm. Black Panther at $1.34 billion. Mm -hmm. Infinity War at $2.04 billion. Mm -hmm. And The Incredibles 2 almost beating out Black Panther, Steven, at $1.18 billion. Didn't get all the press because of the obvious social... uh, uh, stories that went tied along with Black Panther clearly got that, so I kind of I think it kind of went under the radar with how amazingly successful it has been. That's a stunning number, Steve, yeah. for an animated movie. That and is st- um, it nearly beat out <laughs> one of the most 
critically celebrated Marvel Studios movies in Black Panther. Mm-hmm. That's shocking. That is amazing, Steven. Yeah. That's an impressive feat for an animated movie. Yeah. It's the highest. And, I think it's and, the highest grossing animated movie ever. Yeah. Now. And to be honest, I enjoyed the movie, but it's clearly not even close to Pixar's <laughs> best work no, at all. No. I mean, not even close. <laughs> not even close. I wouldn't even put it in the top 10 of Pixar's movies. No, I wouldn't. But that's either. amazing, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. a shocking number. We still have, for this year, Stephen, they still have a, a couple of bullets left in their, in, in their, in their guns. All right. Mm hmm. So we'll see what they can do, but they still got the Nutcracker and the Four Realms to come out. Bomb. I don't expect that to do well. Personally, I think that has bomb written all over that, it. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I wasn't wrong about A Wrinkle in Time, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> that was a bomb, and I knew it. it. They also have Ralph Breaks the Internet coming out in November. Now, that yeah, that's, could be a massive That's going to be a maker. hit, yeah. That could be a massive moneymaker. I, th- I think I think it will be. <laughs> and then we have Mary Poppins Returns with Man, uh, mm. Lin-Manuel. Mm. And he is huge. True. And you got Emily Blunt. She's huge. Mm-hmm. And Mary That's Poppins a... in the Disney community, I can tell you, Mary Poppins is the number one franchise. If you want to talk to any fan of Disney, like mm-hmm. old school Disney, not not sure someone, fan, someone who likes Pixar or Marvel Studios mm-hmm. or Star Wars, not, not I'm, those I mean, like, test tube babies. No, I'm not I mean, like, <laughs> like you know somebody who just legit likes straight up Disney. Sure, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. uh, like. My wife's favorite Disney movie, hands down, is Mary Poppins. It's not even close. Mm-hmm. This movie, I don't know, Stephen. I'm not going to rule it out. It's Mary Poppins, which was a one of Disney's biggest movies of all time. True. And True. has a lot of fans. Mm-hmm. Big, in, big in the culture. Yeah. In pop culture. Mm-hmm. And you're attaching Emily Blunt to it. You're touching Lin-Manuel, who is just huge right now. Yeah. I don't know, Stephen. It could go either way. This one is not as e- Ralph that breaks the internet is kind of easy for me to guess. It just you know it's gonna be popular with kids. It's gonna do well. Yeah, that's kind of the last one was a success, so, yeah. right? But Mary Poppins Return, Stephen. I don't know. It could be a bomb, but at the same time, this could just be a if it if it catches on with the right kind of cultural impact. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! <laughs> it could be a beast yeah that's could true. be a beast it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see what happens this one's hard for me to predict it's like one of those it's either going to be insanely successful yeah. or a total bomb i don't think you're going to get the i don't think it's gonna be that middle like oh it was nice earned about 600 million yeah you know what i mean yeah it's gonna be one or the other either it's gonna be totally rejected and bomb or it's gonna be wholeheartedly embraced and just dominate yeah but i don't it's... see it being lukewarm in the middle I don't know. I think I think this has the um, because honestly, I I haven't seen any advertising for it like at all. Like I know there's been trailers out, but right. when I go to the movies, I never see anything for it. So I'm wondering what their their marketing strategy is. I guess they're saving that because it's not coming up next. Right, right. I think but, um, I think you're gonna. I there's gonna be a blitz near the end. I think once yeah. Ralph breaks the internet comes out, you get the, you get a full court press. Which this. I mean, it's not. Which is which has worked before, yeah. Um, but I, don't know, I feel like, and they has a it has a lot of competition because the week oh, yeah. after is like everything else drops. <laughs> yes, literally everything else. Yeah, yeah. and um, which could really, which could do wonders for it because the competition devours itself, yep. or it could dilute their audience. Yep. But I could see this one. 
um, doing like a, a Greatest Showman or Jumanji where it sticks around for a mm. while and makes mm. its money that way. Right, I got you. Yeah, now, sure. of course, Disney's next movie will probably be two weeks after that, so they're right. not going to have the time. Problem. But <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. That's the problem. You don't get a lot of time yeah. before another Disney movie comes right on your back. But we'll, <laughs> but we'll see. Usually January is pretty safe from, uh, from Disney releases. Yeah, it's so. usually until February that you get a, another big yeah. something. Also in movie news, Stephen, you've got the word out there that X-Men director Brian Singer is in talks to helm a Red Sonja movie and sign mm. me up for this, Stephen. Yeah. I like me some Red Sonja because it's a, a big redhead in a, b- a chainmail bikini <laughs> with a giant sword. I don't know how you don't like that. I, mean, I literally don't know how you like that. How does any man not like that premise right there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, the, mo- the movie itself that it's being made, I have no problem with that. Um, I think Brian Singer has <laughs> used up all his goodwill and should not be hired by anybody because he, I mean, that's just the thing. He's always been, he's always been difficult. Yes. And even on the, the Freddie Mercury movie, they had to shut down production because right. he just wandered off. <laughs> right, right. And didn't come back for a right. while. It's like, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, you know what? I mean, I'm glad the movie's getting made and he's, yeah. I guess he's still kind of a big name right. for the wrong reasons. For the wrong but, reasons though. I mean, but hey, you know what? When he eventually leaves and they replace him with somebody else, I'm sure that that person will do a good job. Do a wonderful job. Yeah, do a wonderful job. <laughs> Indeed. Also in the news, we've got a little bit from DC when it comes to not movies, but TV. Yeah. DC Universe. So they have got their streaming service that I talk about a niche streaming service, Stephen. I don't know. I mean, yeah. at, least, at least the Disney streaming service has multiple, <laughs> multiple franchises. Yeah. <laughs> this one is just weird. They have cast their um, uh, lead for the Stargirl series because everyone, we knew we needed a Stargirl live-action series. Yeah. I don't know. Anyhow, yeah. it is Breck Bessinger, the star of Nickelodeon's Bella and the Bulldogs, which I know you're a, a fan of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm familiar with her work, yes. No. She is. I mean, I've never heard of this uh, actress. I've never heard of that TV show. But I looked at her photograph, and she does look like Stargirl, so spot-on mm-hmm. casting. I have no clue she can act, but nah. spot-on casting, she at looks, at least she looks the role. So she will join the DC Universe's lineup of Titans, Doom Patrol, and Swamp Thing live-action dramas. Yeah, the only okay. one of those I actually want to see is Doom Patrol. Like, I've seen, like, right. Shet photos. Like, they actually they actually look pretty good. Yep. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And they got Timothy Dalton as uh, Niles Calder, so I will, I will watch that. Amen to that. Any day. <laughs> Amen to that. And also, um, we've got, you know, they, they've released DC, well, not DC, but Warner Brothers released uh, some of the test photos of Joaquin Phoenix as... The, the Joker. Joker, yeah. I'm not a fan, but again, it, it, I, I don't really view this as a DC movie. This seems like a weird... It's not really. I don't even know why this movie's being made, to be honest with you. It makes, sure. It, this, is, this is one of these... This is part of the schizophrenic, we don't know what the hell we're doing, chicken with its head cut off approach that Warner Brothers has with DC movies. Mm-hmm. Where we just do random things that don't make any sense, that don't fit with anything else. Yeah. Okay, so that's how I view this movie. Mm-hmm. Whatever, I'll, I'll go see it because I do like... I mean, Joaquin Phoenix... I do really, really like his work, mm-hmm. and I normally like his movies. He's my kind of actor. Yeah. So I'll go. I I mean, I think the look is just kind of – it's a miss with me, but, I mean, yeah. it won't prevent me from seeing the movie. 
Yeah, the look the look is a little off, but I mean, I saw him. They did like some like test screening footage where he was right. like doing parts of it, and he was he was pretty creepy. Yeah. Well, like, he's a okay. very good actor. Oh so yeah, I, I know he can do it. Yeah, but the ki- the movie got the kiss of death because now people online are debating whether the you know Joaquin Phoenix's Joker looks good or stupid yeah. or dumb or why this movie's even being made. There's a lot of debate going on online, right? Yeah. Well, X. Former DC Entertainment president Diane Nelson reared oh, her God. head and said, I think it looks fantastic. That's the kiss of death. <laughs> we now know the movie's going to bomb because Diane Nelson is endorsing it. Yeah. That's your kiss of death right there. <laughs> I mean, the, the lucky thing for that movie is that it's being made very, relatively very low budget. Yes. So it, it shouldn't be hard to, 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 to recoup. recoup. <laughs> or maybe make a little bit of money. So, yes, indeed. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix, he's apparently wanted to be in one of these movies. Yep. He was almost Doctor Strange, but I think he just didn't want the commitment. Mm-hmm. So he just has a one-and-done Joker movie. He wants to come back, he can come back. That's right. There you go. Perfect. I mean, they're not really using Jared Leto's Joker, so no, he could just no, take no, that. No. <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so we've also got a little bit of news, Stephen, from the world of comics themselves. Okay. Imagine that. <laughs> news came out. August Fantastic Four relaunch. Fantastic Four number one, Stephen. Yes. Are you ready for this? Oh, boy. You, you are seated, are you not? I'm seated, yeah. All right. Fantastic Four number one, Stephen. Yes. Nearly 370,000 copies. Oh, that is insane. For wow. This day and age, That's an old school number right there. That is an old school sales number, Stephen. 370,000 copies. Wow. Yeah, that is insane. That is insane. I I knew there was pent-up demand for this comic, but wow. Wow. That is shocking. That is shocking. The actual number that it's estimated at is 368,914. That is... (laughs) Stunning, Steven. Holy cow. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I did not see that coming. I yeah. Mean, I was excited for their return. I know a lot of other comic fans were excited for their return as well, but I died. No, not, not that kind of number. Wow. That's not a number you see that often anymore. <laughs> Incredible, huh? Yeah. That, I'm I'm kind of stunned. Yeah. I'm <laughs> legit at a loss for words. That's... Yes. Wow. I'll be interested to see where this title ends up, though, when it's around issue number 10. It'll True. see what kind of audience this title can retain. Yeah. Not, we all don't know what expect to retain that kind of that kind of number, obviously. That's mm. a lot of speculators buying copies. Yeah, that's Clearly. true. Yeah. That's, that's, that, that, that kind of sales number is driven by speculators. But, but fine. I think that Fantastic Four's relaunch will be considered a success if it can retain a readership in the 50... You know, fifty, sixty thousand range. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty solid selling title for this day and age. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, and anything above that is a is a huge success. Yes, <laughs> totally agree. Also, Stephen, in the world of comic books, you know, they recently released Batman Damned Number One. Yes, and in that comic, they showed Bruce Wayne's 
twig and berries. Oh my god. His naughty bits. Yes. Uh, yes. This is news. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. It is officially the first DC comic book to feature Batman's penis. I don't know who needed to see it, but there it is. <laughs> we, we all got to see the bat penis now. Um, and DC's, and, and, and Scott Snyder, who, look, I love Scott Snyder's work. Yeah. Uh, I try to, my best to avoid any articles, um, uh, in interviews of writers and artists, because I don't want to know them personally. <laughs> yeah. I just want to either appreciate or not appreciate their work based on the work itself. Yeah, and you don't want to be disappointed. <laughs> no, no. And Scott Snyder's like, I am genuinely surprised. I, I just, he tweeted, LOL, folks who work with my wife at the hospital asking about this comic book that shows Batman's junk. Had no idea it was this big of a deal. Still don't get it, but hey, okay, look, that's being disingenuous. And yeah. I don't mean to call out Snyder. Again, I think he's a very talented writer, mm -hmm. but that's being disingenuous. And you can be a company guy. Mm -hmm. And you can back your company's decision without making yourself sound objectively obtuse about something. You could say, yep, we showed a, a, a DC comic mm -hmm. published under the DC banner. Mm -hmm. Now, I get it. It's it's part of the black label imprint, yeah. which is supposed to be a little bit more mature in mm -hmm. theme. I get that. Yeah, It still has DC on the cover. All right? It still has DC on the cover. Mm -hmm. It still stars... Batman, mm -hmm. who DC specifically targets preschool kids with in the form of toys mm -hmm. and merchandise and cartoons, and they want those preschoolers' money. They want the parents to spend their money on their little kids mm -hmm. buying all these little kid Batman toys, okay? So uh, whether you, you, you can wrap this up under, well, this is a mature title, it is Batman. It mm -hmm. is DC Comics. And Batman, sorry, you you do actively, actively market it to young kids mm -hmm. all over the place. Okay? Now, I have zero problem with mature themes whatsoever. I don't like censorship. I have zero problem with nudity. Uh, but last time I checked, David Lynch doesn't market his movies and merchandise to preschoolers. Last time I checked that. Uh, Quentin Tarantino does not market his movies and merchandise to preschoolers. Last time I checked, so I think it's a bit disingenuous to say, "Well, this is a this is a mature label imprint." It is DC Comics. It is Batman. Mm -hmm. I think you can have a mature theme and maybe not have the dangly bits out there. And to say for Snyder to say, "Oh, I had no idea this would be a big deal. I don't get you're being disingenuous." You knew it would be a big deal. It is Batman, a character that has been marketed to kids for half a century. More than half a century. Okay? You're being disingenuous. Of course you knew it was a big deal. You may not care. You may not think, you may think it's okay. Then say it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, this is, this is pretty groundbreaking. Yeah, this is, this is a big deal. This is pretty shocking, but I think it's perfectly fine. <laughs> I think we should be allowed to use characters that we market to kids and put them on mature titles for adults and do adult things with them. We, we have that right as a publisher. Own it. Just own it. 
Be mm-hmm. honest and own it. Don't give me this mealy mouth crap. Don't don't piss down my back and tell me it's raining. Own your decision. I have no problem. I respect the man. I, if Snyder had said that, I would totally respect. Like, okay, that's cool. I have no problem with people having different opinions. I have no problem with it. Mm-hmm. Just give me your honest opinion. I don't mind that. I respect that in people who speak their honest opinions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I get that last bit because that's always frustrating. That was something I found both amusing and a little annoying about the Iger interview is because in some cases it's so he's so wishy-washy or so carefully crafted words to where he's not yes. really saying anything right. at all. Corporate and so I'm just like, okay, right. so what, what's the point? What are we doing here? Right. Um, like personally, I, I didn't even know that was a thing. I, I don't care personally, but yes. I mean, I, I do find it annoying. The, um, well, I didn't, but no, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, I think you, you, you may not have known and you may not just say you don't care. So what? It's not a big, or don't say anything at all. Right. That also helps. <laughs> no, sure, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is worth noting that it has been announced by the higher-ups at DC that the censored versions of the nude panels featured in Batman Damn Number 1's digital release will be used in future reprints, reprints of the physical books. So, hey, if you managed to get the first round, the first round of those print books, you got a collector's item. Oh, boy. Because you're not going to see it again. Nope. Hey, that. You just earned yourself some free money. So there yeah, you go. so good. <laughs> damn, I wish I'd now bought it. Damn it. Damn it, damn it, damn it. I should have uh-huh. bought Batman damn number one. Yeah. Mm. Rats. Could have made some money, Steven. Oh, well. Such is life. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> you never know where there's going to be gold. I so. know. There's gold in them <laughs> bat penises, Steven, I tell you. <laughs> Words. Oh, wow. You didn't expect in this podcast, did you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my friend. Let's kick off the review, shall we? Let's start with Justice League number eight. Yes. This issue, it is, uh, this is uh, uh, the James, Tinney, and the fourth getting tag-teamed in. Scott yep. Snyder, he needs a break every once in a while. That man is doing a lot of work. He yeah. Is, he is a busy guy, so he had to reach out, slap hands, tag in <laughs> Tinney and the fourth to handle this issue. The uh, art is uh, Mikel... Yanin, I believe, is the correct pronunciation. Mm-hmm. And colors Jeremy Cox. This issue starts with uh, the new uh, the uh, Starman, newly returned Starman, Will Payton. He is, uh, we learned that in 1988, the Stellaron 5 was a satellite designed to collect energy from the totality. They tracked the totality out there in space. They didn't mm-hmm. know exactly what it was, but it is the totality. Right. And they were trying to uh, uh, collect information from this unusual energy that was streaking by the Earth. Unfortunately, the satellites was uh, technology was not uh, sufficient enough to handle the energy of the totality. It destroys the satellite or seriously uh, injures the satellite. Mm-hmm. And in the process, a big beam of light caused by the backfire of the satellite races towards uh, fires toward Earth and nails poor Will Payton. Yeah. Oh, dear. And with <laughs> that, he now has the powers of Starman. And we see <laughs> that he is... Uh, it's interesting. We, we've we officially retconned away the yellow and purple costume. Aw. Yeah, he's, he's shown here as wearing uh, a dark gray and red costume instead. So the purple and gold never happened, Stephen. Yeah, it's never dis- happened. That's disappointing. That is, they should own the purple and gold. Yeah, come on. <laughs> and suddenly we see Starman flying through the air and getting blasted in the back, and we see it's Lex Luthor, time-traveling Lex Luthor, 
and he is here because he needs uh, what Starman knows about the totality. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to the Just League in the present day, and they are walking their way through Starman's brain, essentially. John is probing his brain, mm-hmm. and it appears that Starman has no memories after Lex Luthor captured him, brought him back to the present day, and began doing tests on him to try to find out more information, extract information yeah. about the totality. Mm-hmm. And that's where his memories cut off. And they figure out that Lex now has information about the totality from Starman, as well as Vandal Savage. That puts Lex at a great advantage over our heroes, even though our heroes physically possess the totality. Yes. We then cut to the Legion of the Hall of Doom, <laughs> and we see Gorilla Grodd, Sinestro, and Joker watching Lex Luthor enter a hidden part of the facility where uh, someone is being ca- held captive, and they're being held captive through four special defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is the is an underground gateway. Another one is uh, powered by the geothermal surroundings of the fortress. Another mm-hmm. one is powered by... Um, you know, spells from the sorceress Morgane Le Fay that held Merlin captive for a thousand years. And mm-hmm. then the last one's powered by Lex Luthor's future technology that he's stolen from wherever. Yeah. And the Joker's all freaked out like, this is wrong, this is wrong. And Sinestra's like, look, all these defenses, this captor can't, this captive we have can't get out. And Joker's like, uh 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 uh. Batmans are Batmans. And they don't stay in a cage unless they want to be there. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. So who is this? It is the Batman who laughs. Yes. Also known as the Batman of Earth 22 mm-hmm. as well. That is the Earth he is from. And we see him all chained up there. And Lex wants answers. And the Batman who laughs says, you know what? I, yeah, I used to think your uh, chip in your shoulder was a weakness. Mm-hmm. That you needed to humble yourself before what you don't know. But now I realize that that chip on your strength is uh, on your shoulder is a strength. And that um, that's going to lead you to the answer. And the Batman who laughs then opens up his mouth, uncurls his tongue, and shows that he had a pick, a metal pick uh, made of um, nth metal, or dark mm-hmm. metal, sorry, of dark metal. And he spits it out at Lex and goes, I could have broken out of here whenever I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Make you a deal. I will give you information, and in return, you will give me something. Mm-hmm. He starts laughing, and you cut back to Gorilla Grodd, Sinestro, and Joker, and Joker says, I hate that sound. <laughs> wow, really well played. Really well played, I thought. Mm-hmm. Very dramatic. I like that. Then we cut to Newfoundland, Canada. We see Black Manta and Cheetah arriving on the small fishing village. They're looking for someone, and they tell the villagers there that the first one to tell me to tell them where a Captain Proteus is hiding will be, uh, will be spared. The villagers immediately tell him, go to the lighthouse, and Black Manta proceeds to kill everybody. Anyway, there you go. Nice guy. During, the, during this whole scene, she is like, hey, do you trust Lex Luthor? And Black Manta's like, trust is foolish. That's my <laughs> answer. I'm here because Lex gives me the is, is going to give me the power to, to commit genocide on Atlantis. Mm-hmm. And if he can't do it, I'll go out on my own and achieve my goal. Mm-hmm. There we go. And we cut to uh, the uh, bad guys finding Captain Proteus. Cheetah attacks him, slashes his neck. He starts bleeding profusely. And then we find out that this Captain Proteus is actually Poseidon, mm-hmm. the Greek god. And um, her claws, Cheetah's claws, now have been tainted with the Tear of Extinction, which is so strong and magical that it will allow her to kill gods with her claws. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Anywho, 
<laughs> so uh, the bad guys set the lighthouse on fire and leave, happy that they've killed a god. But we see he's not quite dead just yet because we yeah. see Poseidon reaching for a ship in a bottle while he's bleeding out. Mm-hmm. And we'll find out how that goes. Yeah. We come back to Batman of Earth-22 talking to Lex Luthor. And the deal is this. Uh, Lex will agree to set him free, and he will agree that Batman Who Laughs plans will not always coincide perfectly with Lex's plans, Mm -hmm. but that the two of them will agree to stay out of each other's way, period. And Lex is like, how do I know I can trust you? Again, the theme of trust even is prevalent in this issue. (laughs) And Batman Who Laughs says, you can't, and trusting is an idiot's game. You don't need to trust me, just trust in yourself. And that chip on your shoulder that you can do what you believe you can do. Hmm. There you go. Okay. Lex agrees. And Batman Who Laughs says, the secret is Perpetua. It is a cosmic entity who once wielded the seven powers that we've been Mm -hmm. chasing down. Yeah. She wielded all seven of them. And once... You, uh, if if you um, you can unlock the seven powers she once wielded, you will then unlock her. Hmm. And of course, Lex goes, "Well, who is Perpetua?" And Batman, who laughs, says, "You're a smart guy. You'll figure it out." <laughs> and we cut back to the <laughs> Hall of Justice. We see Batman and John staring at the totality, and uh, they John evidently is about to head off to Thanagar to find out some more information on the totality and uh, or Thanagar Prime, sorry. Mm-hmm. And Batman goes, look, you know, the, all this is bigger than us. To find, to win, to find the answers we need, we just need to stay humble. Again, the theme of humility is mm-hmm. something that is throughout this entire issue as mm-hmm. well. And he goes, just stay humble and trust our instincts that haven't failed us so far. And they walk out of the room and, oh, before they walk out, though, Batman goes, look, the totality is a mystery, but it's a mystery in our possession. So no matter what Luther knows, that gives us an edge because we actually have it. Mm-hmm. And we just need to trust ourselves. Again, trust, yep, trust. Even, yep. that we can solve it first. <laughs> they leave the room, and then we see a female figure kind of start to appear in the middle of the totality. Mm-hmm. And that is the end of the issue. Stephen, Justice League number eight, what do you think? Um, I am really digging the fact that as high concept as this book is, that it is also unabashedly still a superhero title. Amen, brother. Um, like in the, the last issue, the, the big high concept of the totality, how do they solve that? Well, hot girl hits Lex Luthor in the face with a mace. Yes. And that's how she wins. That's pretty, it's pretty awesome. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, um, and I've really liked these little Legion of Doom, like interludes where you see what they're up to and all that. Yes. And so I'm... I mean, it's 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 set up. You know, you're moving characters into place. This and is definitely a bit of a pause issue, no yeah. doubt about it. Whenever Tinian comes in, gets tagged in for Snyder. Yes, that, that means you're getting a pause <laughs> issue. Yeah, and, yeah. and then we see that's not a bad thing because I really like the the interplay between the characters. I think they're all written very well. Yes. Um, I like. There's some interesting stuff being set up. They haven't found everything yet. I thought that. Um that maybe we'd see what they were going after. Right. Like the, why black mana and cheetah are there for instance. But you know, I don't mind waiting a little bit longer for that. And, um, I think it's got some, um, some decent little humor bits. I love the artwork as well. I think that's fantastic. So good. Very good art. Um, 
so I mean I think it's 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 a very 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 well written issue. It's a tease, but you know it. I don't think that's a problem. I it was a well written tease. <laughs> I, well, no, I agree. I normally I'm a little I get a little irritated by issues that hit a pause button. Sure, uh, especially given the cost of comics these days. Yeah, but I will say if you hit the pause button, you best at least give me a very well crafted, nuanced and dense issue to read Mm -hmm. at least give me a lot of substance yeah and tinian does yeah he hits the pause button as far as plot progression is concerned no doubt but in terms of plotting he helps to bring a lot more depth and layers to the story Mm -hmm. which i appreciate so he performs lots of while slowly paced lots of very nice detailed plotting Mm -hmm. in this issue the story is really well fleshed out and i love that they are taking their time to flesh out all the characters involved Mm -hmm. not just a few of the heroes or just one (laughs) villain but everyone this issue has great character work especially with the bad guys the batman who laughs Mm -hmm. a bit one-dimensional from my taste sure but still tinian makes him um and you know embraces his agent of chaos style character that he is very well i think Mm -hmm. and the role he has to play in this story so i like that yeah i like even in just a tinian is able to just in a few very few panels pull off some excellent character just in like two panels you get the supreme confidence sometimes to a fault of sinestro Mm -hmm. and you get joker's reaction to not just a <laughs> batman but i mean a batman who is crazy yeah and the the sheer the, the sheer terror in joker mm-hmm. at the thought of this batman <laughs> being caged in their facility and his reaction to the laughing steven i thought that is how you do you can pull off phenomenal character work in just a few panels yeah and he does it. Tinian does that in this issue. I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. You didn't need more. That was just enough to get it across to you, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was brilliant. Yeah. Of course, Lex continues to shine. He is oh, a yeah. fascinating character, and mm-hmm. Tinian does a wonderful job with Lex, mm-hmm. I think. And I even think Black Manta and Cheetah, not that it, they're they're on the lesser developed side of the sure. characters, but at least we fully, Tinian takes the time to fully give the reader what their motivations are, why they're working with Lex, why they're willing to mm-hmm. take orders from Lex. Mm-hmm. Really well done. So you get the reader gets a good sense of their motivation and why they'd be on this team and why they would follow Lex's orders. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. The, the, so they're not just lackeys. Yeah, they exactly. Have agency. Mm-hmm. They have agency in their own goals. I like that. Yeah, because um, after she slices uh, Poseidon's neck, Cheetah says, "Well, I'd like to see how the how the princess handles this." Right. And it's like it's all all once again, it's all about Wonder Woman. Yes, with her. So. Yes, really well done. Mm-hmm. I also appre- I really appreciate. Again, it's so the issue is so well written from a technical standpoint. I appreciate some of. I appreciate writers who are able to take themes. And string them through an issue, but mm-hmm. not hit you over the head with right. them. Right? Yeah, that, that that's real talent. Mm-hmm. I like the subtle use of theming, and Tinian does it here. You have two themes that run through here. It's the theme of trust. Mm-hmm. It's the theme of humility, and how the heroes and villains view those two things tells you all you need to know about both sides in this conflict. Yeah, and theme of trust and humility is also something that is. A Popular superhero themes. Yeah. They are. Right. Friendship would be another one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I like it because you have Manta, trust is for fools. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Batman who laughs telling Lex, trust is for fools. Lex even agreeing. Yeah, I don't even know. On second, <laughs> upon further review, why did I even ask you that? Yeah, you know what I mean. And quickly just <laughs> abandoning that, right? And that it's all about themselves. Manta, it's all about uh, me, mm-hmm. me. And if I don't get it with Lex, I'll do it on my own. Mm-hmm. The, Cheetah, she all she's thinking about is Wonder Woman. Lex, it's it's about him. It's him himself. All these villains are Sinestro. Yeah, him. All these villains are very. It's. They are very independent. Mm-hmm. They are ego-driven, very independent, very confident people. These are traits you would find in successful innovators and CEOs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, yeah. Right? Uh, Bill Gates. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. That's how they're portrayed. Whereas the heroes, mm-hmm. you have Batman. He has Batman saying, we just got to trust in ourselves. Mm-hmm. We got to trust each other. Mm-hmm. So there's... There's the difference, yeah, in terms of trust. And it's Batman right? saying that, right? Who yeah. is not one to play well with others. No. <laughs> so I thought that was a really nice contrast with the theme of trust. Mm-hmm. I also thought the theme of humility that Lex's the Earth twenty two Batman's like. I thought lack of humility was your weakness. It's actually your strength. It's what mm-hmm. drives you to do the impossible. Contrast that with Batman, who is, I guess, of all the heroes most like Lex Luthor, it would be Batman. Yeah, because both of them are man versus God. Mm-hmm. They're man versus God characters. Yeah, Batman symbolizing everything great of of mankind, and Lex Luthor also on the other side of the coin, yeah. representing everything that's great about mankind, but in a bad way. In a bad way. Yeah. Um, and they're both man versus God style characters. They they mm-hmm. they take on the impossible and win. Yes, and they're the characters that always have a plan. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? <laughs> that's right. You know what I mean? And I think that having Lex. In abandoning the humility as a as a weakness and embracing his his own driving force, his own self, contrasting with Batman, the ultimate loner, mm-hmm. saying and, and someone who is one would say has a pretty big ego. Yeah. Okay. He's mm-hmm. pretty confident. He, I, Batman likes him some Batman. He pretty uh, yeah. much thinks he can handle anything there is. Period. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the world's greatest detective. <laughs> I mean, you don't get the, you don't call yourself the world's greatest anything. If you don't think highly of yourself. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> him making a point of saying, we got to stay humble. Mm-hmm. When dealing with something you don't know, you got to stay humble. Yeah. And I thought that was a good contrast in those things. It's that kind of writing, Stephen, mm-hmm. that is, uh, gets you pulled into the story. Yeah. I love when, but it's, he never beats, if you're not looking for those themes, Stephen, it, that could go right past you. Yeah. That could go right past you. Mm-hmm. It's nice, subtle theming. It's really well done. That, yeah. That's, that's good writing. Oh, yeah. I I completely agree with that because until you brought it up, that I mean, I like I think it's one of those things where it's like, well, maybe like I didn't notice it, but my brain did because like you, you see it, it is. Yeah. You see the words come up. Right. And I'm like, huh, OK, I think I saw that somewhere else in here. But when you get to the end, of course, I'm like, hmm, well, that's weird. Well, which which way is it? Because like you said, Lex Luthor. And his his crew of bad guys have always, you know, gotten their success by being independent on their own, not humble at all. Right. But also the heroes win by working together, yep. um, trusting each other, yep. and you know, and realizing that there are some things that are greater mm-hmm. than they are. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually kind of interesting because, like, it makes you understand the villain's perspective, Absolutely. which is interesting. Yeah. 
and it just kind of makes you wonder. Well, actually, you know, is are they wrong? Right. You right. know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course, there's a scene of black man murdering all the sailors he to make you say, "Well, yeah, they're they're pretty wrong." Yeah, they're pretty but wrong. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I. And just the the scenes with Lex Luthor and the Batman who laughs that's that stuff is that was fascinating to me oh, because yeah. it reminds me a lot of like whenever Batman and Lex Luthor interact in like the real Batman yes and it makes me remember that even though he looks like the Joker that that character is a Batman yeah, he's a bat he's still, it's still Bruce Wayne and it's and that just kind of that that's ooh that's yep. that's kind of scary <laughs> it is it is, it is. Uh, what'd you think of the artwork? I thought Mikel Yannan was fantastic, Stephen. I thought yeah. it was a fant- beautiful looking issue, and he had to deliver a compelling looking issue without really much action. You got some the only action we really got in this issue was with the black mana cheetah scene. Yeah. Outside of that, he had to really pull off dialogue heavy scene. The bulk of this issue was Lex and Earth Twenty Two Batman. Yeah. And he had to pull off this dialogue heavy scene and give it some tension and some excitement. Mm-hmm. That's not easy to do. He's no, really it's good not. Artist, I mean, a really nice artist. I yeah, like he stuff. is. And the scenes where you get to see like the the superheroes like walking around like those, they look so good. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I really hope he gets to draw like an action issue. But I, I mean, he's he, yeah, the facial expressions and the like the villains, they just look intimidating. Yep. Which really sells the yeah. um, like the Joker's nervousness and yeah. Grodd just looking really annoyed. It's like, yeah. what are we doing here? Right. And um, so I'd, uh, it's it's so good. I mean, he's I've always been a fan of his. So I'm, yep. I'm, oh, it's so good. <laughs> How would you grade out Justice League number eight? Um, I would give Justice League number eight. I'm gonna give the story an eight, and I'm gonna give the art a nine. I love I love the I love this dude's art so much. So Amen. Good. Amen. I will go just a tad bit less than you. Sure. I will go story eight night girls out of ten. Mm-hmm. Art eight night girls out of ten. But right. we're pretty much lockstep as far as how this issue yeah. is. Justice League is one of DC's best comics. If you're not buying Justice League and you like superhero comics, you seriously need to reconsider your, 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 yeah. your purchasing options. Buy Justice League. Of all these superhero comics that are on the market right now, uh, it, it's it's hard to top what Snyder and Tinian are doing on Justice League. It's fantastic yeah. stuff. Yeah, don't don't be turned off by the oh high concept whatever. It's still it's not it's still it's not superhero. so high concept like Grant Morrison that right. it'll no, like no, blow no, your no, mind. No. But it's still very superhero. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, it's Grant Morrison meets Jeff Johns in a way. I totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. That's a great way to describe it. Um, all right, my friend, let's check out Damage Number Nine. Now, this is a title that you and I have enjoyed in the past. Yes. It's one of the uh, you know DC Universe Dark Knights metal titles yeah <laughs> we we've, we've liked a lot of these and damage we thought was been pretty solid mm-hmm. this issue is brought to us by aaron lapresti and robert venditti mm-hmm. it's hard to beat that creative team my friend yeah that's a great creative team the inks by matt ryan colors by hi-fi and in this issue we have damage squaring off with uh, the hunters mm-hmm. who are the henchmen for colonel jonas and Damage takes them all down one by one in some pretty brutal fashion. Yeah. And on Dam- uh, Damage's side is the Unknown Soldier. and is mm-hmm. the, This is the original Unknown Soldier, my friend, which is pretty oh, yeah. cool. I mm-hmm. dig. I like that DC brought back <laughs> the OG Unknown Soldier. That is cool. Anyhow, the Unknown Soldier, he starts kicking ass, too. On the hunters, <laughs> yeah. There's there's that one with the with the female who who puts up a decent fight against yes. him, but then he um I think he like like shoots her and scra- grazes her leg or something. Yeah, and he's just like 
do you want like basically do you want to keep fighting and die or do you want to live and she right. just runs away <laughs> right yes which was fantastic yes. which is fantastic uh you know that our, our heroes start whipping through the hunters you're right and they're kicking butt and the last one standing is the female and and yeah the, the hunter soldier pulls his, <laughs> puts his gun on and goes you want to keep going all you'll be to me is another confirmed kill. She <laughs> stares at him and then turns around and runs the other yeah. way. And he goes, smart choice. <laughs> I mean, it's just really, it's, it's really well done. It's, it's really well done. Yeah. Anyhow. So, and then at this point, um, at this point we have, um, the, the, uh, what's her, what, what, what rank is she again? Uh, Colonel. She's a Colonel mm-hmm. Jonas, right? Yeah. All right. So Colonel Jonas is, squared off with damage face to face. Everyone else has been taken out already. And she's like, just finish it off. Kill me. Go ahead and kill me. And inside damage, Ethan's like, don't kill her. He, she, that's what she wants. Don't kill mm-hmm. her. Don't kill her. Show that we're better than that. And she goes, you know what? I don't feel bad about anything I've done. Um, uh, that my husband's in a coma because he was wounded in action. At this point, Stephen, the mm-hmm. record skipped for me. <laughs> I was like, well, this woman has a husband? She's mm-hmm clearly written oh, why didn't DC just <laughs> DC wants diversity yeah so they roll out this character that let's be honest is basically Nick Fury <laughs> she's got Nick Fury's haircut and it's got the eye patch she's got his eye patch yeah she's got his jawline mm-hmm. she's practically got his face she's <laughs> built like Nick Fury she's dressed like Nick Fury mm-hmm. like you know rather than taking an established character and having him come out of the closet why not just create a new character mm-hmm. and add a little diversity that way? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if she said my wife is in a coma, she was wounded in action, I would believe that. <laughs> that is believable. Based on this character, I would believe that. I yeah. wouldn't be like, oh, you guys are forcing things. No, I'd say, okay, yep. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. believable. Cursing husband? No. I, there are not uh-huh. many men marry women that look like men. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to say that. That I don't know how to say that. It's just kind of how uh, it works. Because yeah. if you like men, you wouldn't marry a woman. You'd marry a man. Because that's how we are in 2018. Hello, people. You can do that now. I just think DC missed an opportunity to add a little. This is an organic way to add diversity to sure, your sure. universe. You mm-hmm. want more diversity? Is that that's your goal? You missed a golden opportunity. She's a big jacked up badass military character mm-hmm. it would totally work with her character i don't think it would work with her character yeah and you add some diversity you've got a big badass female military officer who's playing a big role in one of your dc titles you can roll her out in other dc titles yeah now true. That she's been established as kind of like a, a, a nick fury type character you can roll her out here and there mm-hmm. and then you would have amanda waller as one of your big military characters and Colonel Jonas as your other one. Yeah. And you would have plenty of diversity. Both women. One could be a lesbian. Amanda Waller's not. She's straight. Got it. But still, you add more diversity, and it's natural. It's organic. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I don't think you, and you you avoid fan pushback by having an established character come out. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, it's just a seamless way to add more diversity. I'm kind of surprised they missed. I was genuinely shocked, Stephen. I mean, I don't care one way or the other. Doesn't matter to me. But I was genuinely shocked <laughs> they missed an opportunity. Yeah. A golden opportunity to add some diversity, and they didn't do it. Okay. Mm. Anyhow, nah. so <laughs> but I so, digress. <laughs> I digress. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Colonel, uh, the Colonel says, "Look, you know, uh, I made you a soldier, and and uh, you're here because you know 
while you've been damaged, I've lost no soldiers. Mm -hmm. So that's your purpose. Not a single one. So I don't feel bad for what I've done. It was the right thing to do to save lives. Mm -hmm. Long short of it. Yeah. And damage goes and smashes the ground in front of the colonel. And she stares at Seriously, Stephen. Triple H wishes he had a jawline like Colonel <laughs> Holy cow. Um, um, and Triple H is like Carl Magnon. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and they kind of face off each other and glower. And and uh, the uh, unknown soldier goes, not bad, kid. And he walks off with damage. And Colonel Jonas goes, I'll fix you, Ethan. You'll be my walking warfare again. I'll get you, my pretty, <laughs> and your little dog, too. <laughs> I'll get you, Gadget. <laughs> and then the flying monkeys enter the room. Yeah. Um, so we then cut to 24 hours later. And uh, Ethan thanks Unknown Soldier for his help. And Unknown Soldier gives him a duffel bag and says, look, I put enough cash in here to keep you going for a while, plus some, plus some clothes. There's also a data drive encrypted to unlock only with your fingerprint. You'll find answers that you need and want. Um and uh, but once you open that drive, you have ten only ten minutes before it erases itself. Ethan goes, "Hey man, you know we could travel together." And unknown soldiers like, "Afraid not." Um, you know you're not the first person to leave war and come out the other side of pacifist. There are two types of soldiers, like you, who think the uh, you know those who think the war will end someday, and those like me who know it won't. So different, different. Different paths to walk in life. Yeah. I thought that was really well done, though. Yeah. Really well done as far as uh, the path of, a, of an ex-soldier mm -hmm. who's been through war. Um, very interesting. Yeah. And um, Ethan goes, my, well, my war will end in the same place it began. I'm taking damage home. And then we see, for the next issue, it's going to be Assault on the Burrow. Stephen, damage number nine. Lay it on me. Um. I really well. I mean, I've enjoyed damage uh, pretty much the entire time, mostly because of the um, the fact that it's you know it's an action title, and it's not yes. a shame to be that. I agree. Um, it takes the premise, which is you put a Hulk and a Doomsday and yeah. whatever, and you mix it together, and plus Hour Man, plus Hour Man, <laughs> and you have you know this, and I like that. Um, <laughs> you know, it's the I like the fact that he went up against people who, I mean, even though he takes them out, it's not like they're a bunch of, you know, jokes. Right, right, like, right. They, yeah. no, the guy, the guy with the the thing in his head, paparazzi, I was yes. actually kind of surprised that it's like, oh, that's very interesting. He has some more interesting. mental powers than we thought. Yeah. Um, he, he pulls a mantis on, um, yes. on, on, his, on his Thanos, for those who saw Infinity War, which was everyone. Um, which was everyone. Which was everyone. <laughs> and um, so that was really cool. I... I the unknown soldier is a character that's you know um, he's so cool. He's really cool. I haven't I haven't read a lot with him, but every time he's shown up, it's been really awesome. Yeah, he's a cool character. And <laughs> and you know we mentioned the the eighties one liner that he had. Yeah, <laughs> that was so nineteen eighties action movie. I love it, love it. But um, so yeah, I mean I think it's been and you know despite your your little your 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 digression, I I, I like the the motivation. It, Oh, I like Jonas. It, it oh, may, the motivation to, it totally makes sense. Yeah, that this colonel wants to save lives mm -hmm. by using a living weapon like damage. I, yes, I, no, the motivation is perfect. Yeah, it is absolutely. And because it because it, it starts out, you know, she seems like she doesn't really care. These people right. are disposable, but ultimately, right. it's about right. You know, saving saving people. It adds another layer to her personality. Yes, 
And of course, you know, at the end of the day, she's you know, she's still one of those the the badass characters. Like you know, just kill me. You know, I don't, right? Go ahead, just do it. Right. Um, and he doesn't. So you know, we're gonna get more more shit more, <laughs> um, like pro wrestling stare downs. Yes. That, Come on, do yes. it. I like it. Um, in That's the a, <laughs> it looked it, to me, it looked like a bit like um. Let's see. Damage would be uh, would be Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and uh, and uh, uh, Colonel Jonas. I mean, again, it's it, Triple H, but 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 um, bald headed Triple H. Sure. Long haired sure. Triple H. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> that's a that's a good one. I, I like that. I like that Trish reference. Stratus, that's well, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I derailed this again. No, it's okay. Please continue. <laughs> no, hey, I, I invoked it, so that's, that's my fault. <laughs> he did open the door. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I mean, and I, I really want to see where the Unknown Soldier, if, if he'll pop up again, I if he'll get so. his own title, that'd be so cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, and it's, once again, one of those things I really like what they've done with the, um, the New Age of Heroes, where they're slowly, like, tying them into the yes. greater universe. Yes, um, yes, yes. I think last week the Immortal Men, like the the Justice League, found out that they existed, and that's kind of like a setup for, you know, that they're gonna they're gonna meet or clash or something. Yep. And um, the Silencer had Batman and her annual and uh, yes. Deathstroke and stuff like that. So right. I'm I'm pretty I'm really excited as always about where they're taking these characters. Yep. It's interesting the way they're weaving them in, mm-hmm. and um, and as always with Damage, it's just a lot of fun. Yep. You know, it's. It's hard to overstate that. <laughs> I agree. I agree. You know, if, if you, if for me, this is this is a 1980s action movie style comic book. Yeah. If mm-hmm. you like straight up action movies, you're gonna like Damage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just it's it is what it is. If, if you're looking for something, uh, you know, groundbreaking or avant garde or artsy or cerebral, then you need to pass <laughs> on Damage. You're not gonna get that here. Yeah. It's just, you're just you're not okay. Um, you know, it's. Certain, it depends on you know like you, you go see the Expendables in the movie theater you know what you're going to get yeah okay mm-hmm. and, and that's what you're getting with this and <laughs> but but it does what it does well yeah and that's 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 the key don't judge it based on you know you, you can't judge it based against other genres yeah. or what you're you know you may personally love it's it, you have to base it on what kind what it is and this is a straight up old school action story mm-hmm. and it delivers it really really well yeah. I think. Damage is a cool character. I love Unknown Soldier. I agree with you. Unknown Soldier needs his own title. Mm-hmm. I would prefer it to be a more mature title. Personally, I think that would be kind of a cool if you could make it. Not Vertigo. Don't want to go that far. Well, yeah. Don't go that far with it. But maybe like a Black Label title, if you will. Would be, sure. Would be sure. very, very cool. I think the character has lots of potential. Yeah, I agree. Really neat character, and I, but I think that he is used highly effectively in this story. Mm-hmm. Really, really done well. Adds a new layer, a different wrinkle to the to the uh, to the theme of soldiers who uh, may have uh, you know post traumatic distress syndrome yeah. after fighting in war. What they become and mm-hmm. what their goals are. And what their mission is. Yeah. It's it's in there there it's it's interesting. I like that. He adds that extra wrinkle. And so that was a nice touch to the story, I thought. I also like I mean, I was playing around with Colonel Jones, but she's a good character, and I think that they did a really good job with her character in this issue, developing her and giving her more texture and nuance to her character as well, which was really needed because I was getting beginning to get a little worried that she was 
becoming too one-dimensional. Sure. And this issue really remedied that. She's still the bad guy, quote-unquote. Sure. Bad guy. Yeah. You're still supposed to root against her. You're still supposed to root for Ethan. Mm-hmm. But I love a good villain. And I love a good villain that isn't really a villain. And she's not a villain. She's not. I mean, no. she's not. Yeah. She's the bad, the de facto bad guy, but she's fighting for our country and and to protect people and yeah. to protect liberty and life and all that kind of fun stuff that we love. So she's not a bad guy. Yeah. And I like her motivations for why she did what she did with damage to save lives. That was a brilliant way to make her character much more relatable, mm-hmm. uh, much more sympathetic, <laughs> much more likable. It really brought the reader closer to her. We get to understand her motivation and it makes sense. We can identify with their motivation and we can sympathize with her. And now we're like, damn, we hated her. Now ooh, <laughs> she made a really good point about the purpose of damage. Oh, dang. Yeah. Now I kind of see her point and Oh boy, now I'm conflicted. That's what you want to <laughs> make. You want the reader to be conflicted. That's what you want. You want that tension of oh, who should I? No, I, I want to root for the main character, but at the same time, you got to, yeah. Oh, the colonel has a good point. You know, she did a great job with Jonas's character. I like her character. I think she's getting better and better. I think she's a character that you could see rolled out in other DC titles. Yeah, um, I agree. And to the larger point of what you're saying, these new age of hero characters, I like that they are slow walking blending them into the DCU rather mm-hmm. than just doing what the Marvel ne- what Marvel now did which is just I'm like take this square peg and just jam it in <laughs> the round hole until you say you love it you know I mean <laughs> that's not the right approach to go yeah okay? they are slow walking these characters <laughs> like that. that's not what that sounded like but okay <laughs> there's a bit of that too going on with the Marvel now as well okay <laughs> There's All a right. bit of that too. All right, Tyson. Settle yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but they're slow walking, which I appreciate. They're introducing the characters mm-hmm. in a very natural way. And they're organically and slowly, logically weaving them into the DCU in a way that makes sense, mm-hmm. that is pleasing and accepting. It invites the reader to accept the characters and, and to get excited about them being in the DCU rather than to be like, whoa, 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 what is this? Yeah. You know, really well done. The, again, this is the anti-Marvel now. Yeah, they, they, it is. This is how you integrate, bring in new characters and slowly integrate them into your main universe. Mm-hmm. It's really well done, and it's adding a lot of interesting, diverse, not in terms of just ethnicity, but also in terms of character style, character yeah. type. It's really neat. I like all these characters. Mm-hmm. I, honestly, I think all the new age, all these new age hero characters are cool and have lots of, and lots of potential. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I, I just hope we continue to see them being more and more integrated into the mainstream DCU. Yeah, I agree. And they're also bringing out parts of the DCU that you don't really see because, you know, the right. the unknown soldier here, yep. um, and they brought up Our Man, who yep. hasn't, we haven't seen in a while. Yep. And um, Sideways is with the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Yep. It's a great it's crazy. way to, to bring in other DCU characters and explore other corners of the DCU that don't normally get a lot of attention. Yes. It's just fantastic. And um, catching up on the Weapon H over the last couple of days, yes. like, I cannot read that and not think that they didn't look at damage and say, we should do something like that. Mm-hmm. Very Because there's the slow integration yep. of the Marvel Universe. Yep. And then 
even I think the last issue ended, they're going to Weird World. Yep. Like I know, right? It's crazy, but it's awesome. But it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. And that's a title that I never thought I was gonna say it was awesome, Steven. Yeah. yeah Damn it if it isn't awesome though. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it is. It really is. Um, so how do you grade out damage number nine? Um well, like like Weapon H, I'm 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 very impressed with this. I I, I never thought in a million years that I would really like something like this. Me neither. But it ta- <laughs> <laughs> but it takes all the best parts of of an action title, but it also adds something more to it, which is what makes it such a great a great read. Yep. And um, I really like the characters. I like the action. Yep. Which it delivers on. I like mm-hmm. the I like the artwork also yep. as well. Yep. Works great. Um. It's it's just really good. I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it straight eights. Mm-hmm. It's just really really good. Yeah, I concur. I will go. Um, I will differ only very slightly from you. Again, I think it is it, it is it's it's just a it's such a fun title. It's just really fun and it's really well paced. It's really well paced. It's it's fast. Oh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. not slow and it's super well plotted. It's got it's got a clear direction in mind. Every issue has been well paced and well plotted, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. It's just so much fun. It's really, it's really worth picking up and, and giving a try if you like action comics. Yeah, and the art I agree is is really good as well. Solid superhero, mainstream superhero artwork, mm-hmm. nice and clean, easy to follow. I will go, I'll go eight night girls out of ten for the story, seven night girls out of ten for the artwork. Okay, but largely that's fair. Largely locked up with you. Yeah. All right, last up, my friend, Teen Titans number twenty two. Oh boy, are you ready, Steven? Are you we've, ready? We've liked we've liked two issues, so what could we be the one you don't know. like? Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! no. Oh, dear. Well, this issue <laughs> brought to us the words by Adam Glass. Yeah. The art by Bernard Chang, and the colors by Marcelo uh, Maialo. Uh, this issue begins with a flashback. Uh, uh, well, no, it begins in the present day. Sorry, my apologies. Of a, a tatted up. Girl with a gun threatening to shoot a nurse in the head while she stands on the roof of a building, the edge of a roof of a building. And our Teen Titans are like, uh, let her go. And she's like, I can't go back to jail. And we get the witty repartee like, you should have thought of that before you tried to knock this place off. <clears throat> okay. And then uh, Kid Flash is there being the useless lump that he is. <laughs> and he's kind of, he's like, my name is Wallace West. I'm here, but I'm not. That's a good. That, that's actually a great way to describe why this character exists in <laughs> post rebirth DCU. Yeah. And he goes, "Roundhouse is dead." If you don't know who Roundhouse is, Stephen, he's the fat blue guy. Yeah, the okay. one who rolls into a ball. Right. Yeah. Right. Kind of. By the way, uh, Bouncing Boy wants his gimmick back, bro. Yeah. Okay. I don't think... don't disparage the great name of the all powerful Chuck Tane. Okay. <laughs> All right. Except no. Except no Substitute. imitators or go. substitutions. <laughs> All right, I'm just saying. <laughs> Chuck Tame's doing it first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut back to earlier in the day, and we get the Titans at their oh, it's super cool hangout, Stephen. It's it's right for the it's it, it's a industrial building that's all bombed out and graffitied up. Oh wow! So trendy. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's trendy. <laughs> it's what the youths like. 
Hashtag trendy. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's trendy. And so <laughs> they're in there, and it's basically Wally West, uh, Newfie to Wally being super sad and, and just um, moping around that he's a loser and got uh, Roundhouse killed. Mm-hmm. And basically, crush. <laughs> All-time stupidest name ever. Is like... Uh, uh, get over it, bro. People die. Whatever, dude. <laughs> and, uh, and and Damien basically saying nothing. And d- <laughs> Jin, I believe it, the pr- correct pronunciation of her name is Jin. D-J-I-N-N would be Jin. Yeah, yes. I'm thinking it's, you know, just like it. Like, like a, it sounds, yeah, like a gin, like a mythical gin, yes. you know, like that. She is very touchy-feely, and of course she's like, oh, you know, oh, I, 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 I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> anyhow, New 52 Wally gets it gets it on, not gets it on, it's an inappropriate use of words, gets angry with Crush, crush. Uh, for her being so insensitive, <laughs> and um, is like, you know, you're a jerk, you're a cold, blah, 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 blah. And then... Um, uh, Jason Todd says, knock it off. Oh, wait, that's not Jason Todd. Huh. It looks like Jason Todd, but evidently it's Red Arrow. Huh. That looks like Jason Todd. I mean, it's a dude. That's a dude. Uh. The body. Uh, well, Steven, look at the body. I mean, it's a dude, right? And it looks like Jason Todd's face. It looks like his haircut. A little bit of a mullet in the back. Yeah. But it's clearly a dude. But it's not. It's Red Arrow. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I'm literally, at this point, I'm like, wait, <laughs> shit. Did, is Jason Todd in this? Co- is, it, at first, I was like, I'm confused. And then I was like, hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. They called it. Oh, it's Red Arrow. They said the word Red Arrow. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Red Arrow channels uh, her. It is a she. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. she still related to anybody? Um, is she still, she's not related to anyone, though. She's not like uh, Speedy's daughter or anything like that. Uh, not in that way. Um, I have, I honestly don't know. Her name okay. is Emiko Queen, but she's not like Oliver oh, Queen's daughter. Okay, she's not Oliver Queen's daughter. I don't think so. Okay. Huh. All right. Well, you know they've botched it with the New Fifty Two. They botched up so much of the legacy. Yeah. It's hard to figure out who's what and how they fit in with post rebirth DCU. True. It, True. It's a mess. Yeah. Anyhow, so she's all like, "We got to train, hoo ha!" She's all like, you know, Marine style character because that's yeah. what we need when you have Damien on the team. We need two Damien's. <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> and so we cut to them training in the courtyard of their trendy, bombed out, graffitied place. Yeah. And uh, basically, it is an opportunity for one, two, three, four, five pages for Red Arrow to spit out all the uh, very rote. Uh, uh, a canned style dialogue of you don't work together. You think I'm just uh, got no powers and can just take me on 101 because y'all got superpowers. And I, we've read this like a, literally, yeah. Stephen. You've read this scene. If you've been alive for more than a year, you've read it at least a hundred <laughs> times before. Okay, it's basically you guys don't use teamwork, and though, though I have no powers, and you guys all have crazy superpowers that could kill me in an instant. Yeah. I took you all down. Mm-hmm. And you get all the standard like hoo ha dialogue because evidently we need two Damians on the team, and so there you go. Um, they decide they need to train, and they're and Crush is like, "Well, if we're gonna train. Shouldn't Robin be here?" And Red Arrow's like, "Well, trust me, when you're all ready, Robin will be here." So like, I don't know. It's like Robin is kind of like the CEO of the of this <laughs> team, you know, and he doesn't and. 
the 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 staff, the the regular common workers. Don't, yeah, you have to deal with the supervisor, Red Arrow. Yeah, right. She's the supervisor. <laughs> you don't get to talk to the CEO. You deal with me, the supervisor. Yes, the CEO will be here when he feels like he needs to be here. Mm-hmm. That's, hey, that's, how, this, what? that's yeah. how this team is broken down, Steven. Yes. And we cut to uh, Robin's prison. He's got his own prison, mm-hmm. and he has the black mask there chained up, and he's trying to get some information from him. And um, he uses the knowledge of Black Mask's illegitimate son against him. Mm-hmm. And evidently, this Ill- illegitimate son needs around-the-clock caregivers, and Robin basically threatens to make that son die. Yeah. If Black Mask doesn't cooperate with him. Mm-hmm. So he uh, keeps telling that this Damien's after this supposed bogeyman boogeyman of the organized crime yes and black man's like dude doesn't exist it's not real and uh so anyhow uh, black mask goes wait hold on i have i have heard of one job before you lock me up and we cut away from that and we go to roosevelt's children's hospital in new york city we are here uh because um well wally west doesn't know why he's here with roundhouse gone he thinks he should probably retire from superheroing and um, <laughs> and to which Rock goes, yeah, right. Yeah, so you probably should, <laughs> right? Exactly, because there's too many Wally Wests. <laughs> and so we learned that essentially Robin is got his team at this hospital because they're going on the information for whatever job Black Mask referenced. Mm-hmm. And um, our, our during this d- d- this this little stakeout, Jen is telling uh, Robin, "Hey, you know, I understand. <laughs> um, I understand. You know, you." you you may have some problems, but I think you're really good. You just put a little wall up around you to protect yourself. And she goes, I understand the need for it, but if you ever need to talk, I'm here. And he's like, and what exactly would I need to talk about? And she goes, whatever you wish. And he's all like, Damien's like little robot brain's like, I can't, human emotions, I'm frizzing out. This is probably like the best moment of the issue, by the way. I thought that was like perfect Damien. And he's all like, I'm looking the other way. <laughs> so I should check the cameras is what he said. <laughs> so, um, then we cut back to um, Crush mm. and Red Arrow. Hoo ha! <laughs> uh, the most manliest heroes on this team. Um, they they donate testosterone <laughs> to uh, erectile dysfunction uh, facilities. They have so much testosterone. They're like, oh, you middle-aged men who can't get it up. Uh, take some of my testosterone. <laughs> I have too much. <laughs> and so they, uh, and so they're like, <laughs> Crush is like, they're reacting to the the, the gin hitting on Damien. <laughs> yeah, clearly hitting on him. Mm-hmm. And Crush, of course, is gross. I don't need that. And Red Arrow, of course, you know, hoo ha, totally inappropriate. Team romances never end well. <laughs> And then crush, especially when they involve tiny tires. And you don't see her. She's gritting her teeth. And she's got her fist clenched in her other hand. Like she wants to, I'm so mad right now. I can't even stand still. Scott Lobdell wrote me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm the love child of Fabian Iceza and Rob Liefeld. Um, And she's like, and she goes, especially when they involve Tiny tyrants and Red Hoods and Red Hood. Sorry, my bad. Oh, Slipped again. Oops. Red Arrow says, "Doesn't matter who or why. Work and personal life should remain separate." And Crush is like, "That's why you don't have a. Per- is that why you don't have personal life?" And she goes, "Abstain." 
and crush. All oh, right, I'm not a hero. I'm a hero, not a nun. Oh, so now she doesn't like romances. She just likes to get dirty. <laughs> she just likes to go to the nearest <laughs> bar and go, you boy, now. Or maybe not. You woman, now. I don't know. Maybe both at the same time. We don't know. Let's crush. <laughs> I just got to smash it. <laughs> Smash it and leave it, honey. <laughs> wow, that sounds like the most progressive pro wrestler ever. You, woman, you, man, come here. <laughs> yes, that is Crush. And so, um, and so, Red Arrow's like, anyhow, uh, we, we come away from this scene because my brain has collapsed on itself at this point. I don't know what's going on anymore. And I don't know the point of any of these characters anymore either. And we then cut to Wally, moving to Wally, seeing the tattooed lady with the gun we saw early in the issue. Materialized out of nowhere. Evidently, she has the power to turn invisible. <laughs> and he grabs her, and then the tattooed lady's partner, Golden Glider, shows up. She's got a bunch of, they're stealing, they're, poor, they're supposed to steal a bunch of medicine. Yeah. And Glider's like, take him out, Swerve. Oh, so her name is Swerve. Oh, Swerve. Swerve. You got Swerve. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so you see that Swerve? She, she uh, Swerve pulls out her gun, <laughs> and Goldie's, uh, Golden Glider's like, take him out. And she's like, ah, just, I don't know. He's just a kid. And, of course, she hesitates, and it gives Damien a time to appear, and smack the gun out of her hand with one of his Robin rings, whatever you call them. <laughs> and, um, and all the Titans are there. And uh, Glider's like, you know what? I'm out. Bye. You're an idiot, Swerve. You should have killed him when you had a chance, but you're a moron. I'm not going to prison because you screwed up the mission. So she is, makes a grand getaway. Swerve is left behind. And then we're back to the scene in the beginning where she has the nurse hostage. And Swerve's like, look, I didn't ask for any of this. I, 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 my third tour, I got shot. needed a blood transfusion. They must use meta blood because I turned out to have these weird camouflage powers. And now I'm just here. We're just trying to get medicine and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. It's not supposed to turn out this way. Mm-hmm. Yada yada yada, and um, she's like, I didn't want to hurt anyone. And Red Arrow's like, bull, and um, <laughs> we all have a choice. You nearly killed someone. Robin saved your ass. Blah blah blah. Yada yada yada. Anyhow, um, so she tells um, uh, tells Kid Flash that uh, you know what, you need to get on board because he's like, Be oh, don't don't attack her. She's good. She's good. She's good. And Red Arrow's like, you know, you already got Roundhouse killed. You want to get the rest of us killed? <laughs> she's a villain. She shoots. She has no more second chances. Shoots the gun out of the villain's hand. Swerve then loses her balance and falls off the building. And then Crush goes, I'm going to get her. And grabs her and um, holds her. And then they spin around and boom, <laughs> land on the ground. But Crush is crushed so she can withstand the fall. But they fall on a flower cart. And what does Crush say? Thanks for the landing. D, but flowers. I hate flowers. Now, Jello would have been super cool because I love me some Jello wrestling with the ladies. Jello or the ooh, men. Or boy. Yeah. I don't know what, but I love the Jello. <laughs> I don't even know what to make of anything with that comment. I don't even know. How do I take that comment? I don't even know how to take that comment, Stephen. Yeah, I don't know how to take that comment at all. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I love Jello. I don't know who says that. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. What did she like? Stay at home at night making Jello and she... eating lots of it, watching Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. I don't know. I mean, I hey, I, that, now that sounds like a, 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 a quote unquote best life if I've ever heard one. So all I do is eat Jello and watch Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, and I'm all out of Jello. <laughs> 
We then cut to this is issues just off the rails, Stephen. <laughs> and we're at Red Hook Docks later that day. It's at nighttime. Sorry, and Robin's there, and he's talking to someone off panel. And someone off panel is like, "How's the new team holding up?" And Damon's like, "Ah, eh, we're we got a few setbacks, but we're we're regrouping." And the person off panel goes, "Can you handle it?" And Damon's like, "Of course I can." And the person off panel is like, "How's your base?" And Damon's like, "It's old Batman stash house. It's gonna be mine one any you know mine one day anyway." Uh, so I got that and some money in an offshore account. I'm good. And the character off panel says that would, someone would call that stealing. Damon's like, like I care. And the panel off the character off panel goes, the old man finds out he's going to be pissed, which means you're on the right track. So bum. what about the black? How to go with the black mask? And we see it's red hood. Yeah. The actual, the actual red hood at this time. Yes. Uh, and, um, Damien's like black, black mask. He's, he's game to play just like you said he would be. And uh, and then um, yeah, Red Hood's like, "Yep, there's no secret money can't buy." And so they they talk about what they're gonna do next. And um, Red Hood goes, "You know who the next target is? It's Commissioner Garden, Dam- Gordon." Damien's like, "No freaking way!" And then we cut to Lynbrook, Long Island. We have New Fifty Two Wally racing off to Roundhouse's family's house to tell them that their son died and that it's all his fault and he knocks on the door and guess who opens the door roundhouse and he's eating a chicken wing and he says oh hey dude what up (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that's how we end the issue this is actually that's the perfect way to end this issue actually that 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 actually is you know what? That's actually totally fitting for this issue to end this way. Mm-hmm. Steven, Teen Titans number 22, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> As he smacks his microphone As I across smack the room. my microphone. Um, you know. <laughs> I swear I've lost about 30 IQ points just reviewing this issue. You know, uh, people who know me know that I like I like bad things. You do like bad things. I like terrible things. You do. I like I like terrible movies. Yes. I like terrible TV shows, terrible yes. music. Yes. This is a terrible comic book. Oh, my God. And I loved it. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is so bad. It's so, it's so corny and cheesy oh and God. stupid. I was laughing the whole time. Oh, my God. Um, The... I mean, just logistically speaking, there are two Damians, which I don't think there needed to be two of. Thank you! Um, If... I don't know if she was more like, uh, I don't know, my my Green Arrow, sure. (laughs) Yeah, they could have, I don't know, had somebody who was a little more humorous, perhaps. There is no humor here. I would have loved to have seen that, like try to write some humor in here. Please do that. God knows. I want to see it. And not unintentional humor. Not (laughs) (laughs) unintentional. It's, I mean... I mean, yes, this is like the West Coast Avengers lineup for DC, but you know, I mean, it's not like it's ho 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 ho. What? It's not that bad. <laughs> uh, okay, fair, fair, fair. You still have Damien on the team. Damien is still on okay, the team. You yes, still got Damien. Yeah. <laughs> he alone saves it. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's. I mean, it's not like you know you couldn't do something with this group of people. I mean, sure. I mean, you I mean you have can... them all die and replace well, other characters. That is true. Um. <laughs> In some in some cases that would be nice. I don't need to see a freaking. I'm sorry, Roundhouse is a is a is a, a no. They did not need to come back. Oh hey dude, what up? 
that's how I would react when I was killed, brought back to life, and my yeah. friends who thought all thought I was dead. You know what I would do after I was killed and all my friends <laughs> thought I was dead? I would be brought back to life. I would go back to my house. I wouldn't call anyone. Yeah. I wouldn't text anyone. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do anything. <clears throat> Instead, I would sit at my house, eat some chicken wings, <laughs> chill out, play some video games. And when my traumatized friends who thought I died came to my home to, ch- to tell my family I was dead, yeah. I would casually munch on a chicken wing and say, Sup. Hey, dude, what up? Sup. I mean, that, that, he's so stupid. Now, I mean, I'm now. I mean, to be honest, like I always thought that character was a little um um dumb, mentally retarded. (laughs) Sorry. Um. So (laughs) that's like, well, of course he would do that. He's he's not. He's he's dumb. Of course he is. Um. I don't know. It's it's not good. But I I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I I the only moment I did legit like was uh was Jin hitting on Damien, like you said. Yeah, that was a good scene. And um, I thought. The I I mean and I know that you know that it's the the um the whatever another uh, pro wrestler um in there with the red with red arrow Crush. but I <laughs> no I mean that she's another one oh, of those yeah, kinds of characters but I mean I uh, because I just don't like these characters that much I I thoroughly enjoyed her wiping the floor with them early in the issue I was like oh hey yes yeah, something happening that I like. Um, so that was, that was all right, but I mean, I think I see what they're trying to do and I like seeing the, I like seeing, um, Jason Todd at the end. I thought that was, that, thought was, that was cool. Um, of course it would be him. Of course. Of course. And, and because I remember in the last issue of Titans, Titans, not Teen Titans, yes. where Nightwing says he has to go talk to Damien, and he's like, "Oh God, I have to go t- right. <laughs> have to deal with him and his little pack." I right. thought so. I thought we were going to see him in this issue, yeah, uh, Nightwing. Nice but um, so yeah, and the and the stuff. I mean, I like the way that he writes Damien. Like Damien's yep. Damien. Damien's he's a great character. He's a great character. How he's good that character up though. I mean, that is, that is true. Write him like a prick. Done. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, there, he loves Damien so much. He wrote two of them. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's true though. Oh, swerve. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and it's like the stuff with the the swerve and all that. It's like it's it's not that that is not something that you couldn't do something with. It's just <laughs> that it's just not handled well at all. <laughs> no. no. So, yeah. Um, I enjoyed this for for terrible value. Yes. I will come back and continue laughing, oh. and that will be amazing. I will tell you. That this issue was so horrible, so bad, so unintentionally hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so painfully, painfully and embarrassingly yeah. unintentionally hilarious that yeah. I will absolutely read the next issue. Because I laughed my ass off from cover to cover for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. But you know what? I still laughed. Yeah, hey. I was still. I was. It was. It's so bad. Yeah, it's <laughs> hilarious. I mean, it just is. You just. It's not. There's the. There's the kind of bad that annoys you. Oh yeah, right. The which bad is that which is you. most which is, which most, is most bad most, things. Most bad sure. annoys you to death, yeah. or is just a turn off, mm-hmm. or just offensive. Yeah. Then there's the bad that just endlessly entertains you. Yes. It's so. 
horrible. <laughs> right? That's this. Yeah, that's right. Um, the character work is atrocious. Oh, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. There is no character work. No. <laughs> what we have are a bunch of caricatures. Yes. That's what we have. There is, there is outside of Damien, mm-hmm. nobody has a personality. No. Nobody has a defined person, a well-crafted personality. Sure. No one has any depth to their character no. whatsoever. I mean, whatsoever. No. At all. At all. Okay, you've got Wally West, who's possibly the most annoying. I just want him to die. <laughs> yeah. He is such an annoying, wussy mama's boy. Yeah. You just like, just you want an anvil to drop on his head. Like an Acme anvil <laughs> to come out of nowhere and drop off on his head. Yeah. Um, oh, then okay. you have Crush, who is so, oh my God. <laughs> she is easily Steven. The most unintentionally funny character there is. <laughs> How does she not make you laugh in every panel? She's so bad. Yeah. She's so bad. It is so bad that you can't help but laugh at her character every time she appears. She's so hilarious. It's so... Because I don't know what to make of the character at all. It's oh, like they, they literally... It's literally Lobo. Yeah, as a, as a girl. As a girl. That's and all they changed was literally the sex of the character, and they're writing it identical to regular Lobo, which makes it so hilarious <laughs> because it shows how pathetically uncreative it is. <laughs> pathetically uncreative it is. It's literally Lobo with boobs. And yeah. <laughs> they're writing it exactly the same. Yeah. I, I, I love it. Oh, yeah. I love, I love it. it, too. Then it's you amazing. have Jin. Who is a neat character who li- who has the personality of a piece of toast? <laughs> <laughs> and I might I might be Being giving generous. her too much credit. Yeah. She's oh she, wow! And I'm talking about a piece of toast with butter on it. No, 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 a dry piece of toast. <laughs> and, and and I'm not talking like some nice rye bread. I'm talking Wonder Bread, dry toasted Wonder Bread. That's how much personality she has. That's how much personality. I'm amazed that you said it was toast. I think it's just you just pull a piece of bread out and, and toss it on the counter. It's like, oh, that's Jin. That's my character. Well, I at least like her look. So that's why. I True. Okay. I sure. Like her sure. Look. Like toasty. Right. Like, then you have Red Arrow. Poor Red Arrow. Poor poor Red Arrow. She doesn't get to be her own character. No, she doesn't she's... get to be her own character. No. Instead, she gets to be the knockoff Damien. Yeah. Because you know she's not as good as Damien because no. she's the knockoff of Damien. Yeah. When you're the knockoff character, you <laughs> you can't be as good. That's that's what the knockoff is, right? So she's just Damien light. Yeah. She's Ugh. Damien, but not the leader. I mean, it's it's, it's criminal what they did to her character. Yeah, she's literally They literally write her identical to Damien. Yeah. But she's not as good as him. Because mm-hmm. she's not the leader, and you're not Robin. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just, I feel she's the character I feel the worst for. Yeah, she got the because sh- she's not unintentionally funny, like no. like Crush is. <laughs> you know, uh, she and she doesn't have her own identity. At least Wally, New Fifty Two Wally, and Jin as, uh, and 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 <laughs> the chubby guy Roundhouse. Yeah, as as lame as they are, at least they have, and I identifiable personality is different than other characters on the yeah. team. Yeah. They're at least a caricature representing a different personality than other members. Mm-hmm. Poor Red Arrow doesn't get that. No, she this doesn't. Poor character doesn't. She gets the short end of the stick. They really she that's the character that get, gets it the worst. Oh yeah. I don't agree with it's, that. It's pathetic what they did with her character. It's so sad. <laughs> it's so sad. Um so that that's really poor. And then the, the 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 story itself is just super super shallow. Yeah, it's super shallow. 
and there's really no substance to it. it, 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 it and, you, and you just kind of like bounce from scene to scene with no point at all. Yeah. Like, it, it seems like the glass has literally, he's just making it up as he goes along. Uh, hey, you know. That's, that's how it reads. He's just, I'm just going to make it up as we go along. Yeah. I mean, no big why deal. Why not? The only thing I really liked, I did like the moment between Jin and Robin. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. That was a nice moment. That was actually a legitimately good moment. Yeah. And the only other moment I liked besides that was uh, Red Hood. In this issue, I love that they're pairing Red Hood with Damien. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that is perfect. Yeah. For several reasons. One, they're very like each other. Yes. <laughs> and I love the idea of the Bat family not all being with Batman. Mm-hmm. And I like that. And I like that Red Hood, that Jason Todd is not the only one. Yeah. Who has a problem with Batman. Mm-hmm. I like that. Because the fact is, Batman is the worst father <laughs> in the history of fathers. Yeah. He's the worst father. Yeah. And all of his quote unquote sons, mm-hmm. um, he's the, the worst dad ever. And I think that it, yeah. I like the idea of Damien being given his background, not getting along with his dad at all. Yeah. Jason Todd. I understand him completely why he doesn't like Bruce Wayne. I, I get that. Yeah. He, uh, he died. Uh, yeah. And, but, and I get that. But I, so I like, and I like that Dick Grayson does have a relationship with, with Batman because he's the first son. Yeah. He's, he's the, the oldest first one. son, yeah. the oldest one, the longest time with him. I get the oldest son while having philosophical differences with the father sure. still being the good son, mm-hmm. the loyal son. <clears throat> I mm-hmm. get that. That works. Yeah. But I like having, the middle child, Jason Todd. The middle mm-hmm. child is always the one who gets overlooked, right? Yeah. The one that always turns bad, right? And then the baby of the family just being a brat. Damn. Yeah, true. So it works really. That that dynamic works well. Mm-hmm. It really works well. And um, I mean, and he had a good relationship with Tim Drake. I just don't know where he is. I mean, I, th- I think they still think he's dead. I think so too. Yeah. Right. So, Which I, doesn't help anything. <laughs> no, no. So I like I like the use of Red Hood. I like pairing him with Damien. I like the two of them working together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is good. Yes, I and agree. Uh, that's about it. Ah. Um, and I just I just I don't know what to make of anything. Yeah. Um, except you just laugh your butt off. Yeah, uh, the hey. art was uh, solid. Yeah, it was fine. Solid superhero artwork. Yeah. Uh, no real no issues. At all, yeah, at all. Um, how would you grade out? Teen Titans number 22. Um, there is a part of me that wants to believe that this is like a parody of 90s DC. I, I, you know, it, that's the only thing that could explain this. Yeah, it's because that's exact, dude. That is the perfect description. It is a parody of 1990s DC. <laughs> like, he said he read a lot of Scott Lobdell and um, Howard Mackey. I want nothing but Howard Mackey, Scott Lobdell, <laughs> and Fabian Nicieza stat. <laughs> Just put it together. <laughs> <laughs> and inject it right into me, <laughs> and I'm gonna write the story. <laughs> he probably on some cocaine while he was writing it. Yes, like, oh yes. yeah, <laughs> do it. And high on old wrestlers. <laughs> By the power of Rob Liefeld, I will write this story. <laughs> All right, Hulk. What should I say today? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I. I mean, if just for the just for the humor alone, because I got a lot of oh my god, a lot of entertainment yes. out of this. Um, <laughs> yes, and like I would want to rate it high because I laughed a lot, and that's great entertaining. But because it's not good, I'm gonna <laughs> give it. Um, 
I'm going to give it a four. The entertainment value carries it higher. And the art, um, I'll give it a six. It was good. Yep, it was I agree. Fine. I will do a special rating. <laughs> a traditional comic book revolution rating sure. would be uh, the story two Night Girls out of ten. Sure. Because yeah. this is objectively terrible. <laughs> and the art would be six Night Girls out of ten. I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. But then here's the... Bonus rating. The kitsch value. <laughs> Pure, sheer, unintentional Schlock. humor <laughs> and enjoyment. The unintentional humor and enjoyment that you get out of this issue, 10 out of 10. <laughs> 10 <laughs> Night Girls out of 10 for sheer, unintentional humor and enjoyment. And on that bombshell, we will end the podcast. Until next time, viva la revolucion. <laughs>